right, well, good morning. Good to see everyone out this morning. Thank you for being here in the house of the Lord. Let's go ahead and get started with a word of prayer. See what the Lord has for us this morning. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to worship and to praise you this morning. Lord, we ask for your presence to be in our presence. Lord, we need you in a, a great and mighty way this morning. Lord, may we not just hear from man, but Lord, that we hear from heaven this morning. Speak to our hearts as only you can. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, may today be the day of salvation. We'll give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. Let's go ahead and turn to page number two, hymn number two. Let's sing about singing to Christ today. second and last. say hi to our visitors.
Alrighty, when you're back to your seats, go ahead and uh, turn to 42. 42. Do the first, second, and last. My tape should be cued, I believe. Adam, that sounds like it, but I need a lot more volume. <laughs> Good old technical difficulties. Just try to be patient. Mm. Yes. Except a pure and holy God and an awesome solitude, he stood alone. 
Not one faint star to give him light, just endless rolling, darkest night. But somehow, through that darkness, he could see. He saw mountains high and lofty. He saw valleys lush and green. He saw babbling brooks, wildflowers a-growing, even heard a robin sing. Then he felt a strange compassion as close to love as pain can be. Standing there in his tomorrows, he saw me. Amen. He saw me. appreciate that special this morning. Appreciate you being here this morning. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good to have our visitor with us. Uh, got to talk to Kenny for a few minutes. This gentleman sitting here in the front, he had to get here real early to get the good seat. So, uh, but anyway, so it's good to have Brother Kenny with us this morning. Uh, he's just passing through. He had, he goes to a church in Terre Haute, but it was running a little behind. He knows Brother Kirk. And I said, I'm sorry. No, uh, Brother Kirk, we love him. Continue to pray for him. He's recovering. He sent me a text. I believe it was Friday. He said, I'm doing well. And I think it was just because he must have just had his medicine. So, uh, But anyways, you pray for Brother Kirk. And I uh, do appreciate uh, the continued prayers also for Miss Jamie. I talked to Brother uh, Doug this morning. She, he said that uh, she's still in a little pain. And Brother Tim told him, he says, well, he, she can't really do anything about you. So... Uh, but uh, he's the cause of her pain, I think, oftentimes. But, uh, but anyway, she's doing, she's doing healing, and so we praise the Lord for that as well. Thank you again for being here this morning. Hope you come prepared to receive a blessing from the Lord. 
Hope that you come with your cup upside, uh, right side up and ask the Lord to fill your cup this morning. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer and ask him to uh, be with us this morning and to fill our cups and speak to our hearts this morning. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for all that you do. We thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, as we, uh, Lord, we open up the word of life this morning, Lord, we ask that you would feed us, Lord, that you would give us exactly what we need to, we need to hear this morning. Lord, Lord, not necessarily what we want to hear, but Lord, what we need to hear. And Lord, I pray that you would speak to every heart in uh, your own way as the Holy Spirit directs uh, in our hearts and our lives. May we be receptive to whatever you have for us this morning. Lord, may we leave here saying it's been good to be in the house of the Lord. Lord, again, we thank you for what you do. Most importantly this morning, if there's one here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, may today be the day of salvation. For that one that's discouraged or disheartened, Lord, I pray that you would put a, uh, just a fire in their bones, Lord, that they would get excited once again about serving and loving you. Lord, we love you for all that you do. We'll give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning, as uh, I was preparing, just going over my notes and things such as that, I, I, and my devotionals this week, I, I came across, I was reading in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, so Lord just really started directing my heart there, and uh, I, I was reading about the early church, and uh, I read about the day of Pentecost, what a wonderful day that was. So many souls saved, an amazing day. On that day, the Holy Spirit was given, and, and this church was a sight to behold. Uh, you think about it, it was a church operating in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. It was a church that had a mission, uh, which was taking the gospel to a lost world. Let me remind you, we still have that commission. We still have that program, that mission on our hearts today is to uh, get the gospel out to every Cre uh, every person in this world. It was a church excited about its Savior. Folks, what I'm seeing today, and we'll get into a little bit later, but I'm not seeing the excitement about the Lord as, as we did 20, 30 years ago. I was talking to Brother Kenny this morning. He's like, everywhere I go, it turns into a Bible study. He's just excited about talking about the Lord. And that's the way we need to be. Get excited about serving him once again. It was a church that was committed to holiness and obedience to the word of God and to worship. It was a church that was hated by the world. Folks, we ought to be hated by the world because where we stand on things. And, and, uh, but it was steadfast in the face of horrible persecution. It was a church that was growing as God added to it daily, the Bible says. It was a church that enjoyed the manifest presence and power of God. The church described in the book of Acts was unlike any, uh, anything that the world has ever seen or ever will see. Think about this, the modern church, which we are all familiar with today, is far removed from what the church uh, was back then. And I'm speaking in generalities, but understand this, the church in Acts was a church that was united. Uh, the people loved one another. They, they were being persecuted for their faith, and many were losing their jobs and their houses and their things. Others were forced from their homes. Many were poverty-stricken because of their faith. The people in the church rallied together. They sold their possessions and gave uh, uh, to meet the needs of those that were around them in the church. I'm going to ask you to join me in Acts chapter number 2 uh, this morning. We have a long introduction and just a short delivery this morning, but Acts chapter number 2, we're going to start in verse 22. We'll read a few verses here and we'll have the message. The Bible says in Acts 2.22, Ye men of Israel, hear ye these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the uh, uh, determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Uh, for David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord also before my face, for uh, he is on my right hand that I know not be moved, uh, that should not be moved. 
Uh, therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall, uh, shall rest in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with, the, uh, with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David that he is both dead and buried and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God was sworn with an oath to him that uh, of the fruit of his loins, uh, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on the throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his, souls was not, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, uh, wherefore... Uh, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being on the, by the right hand of God, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath showed forth this, which ye know, now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he him, saith himself, The Lord saith unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, uh, no, uh, now when he, they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the, uh, Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many others words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received the word, uh, his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and, every, and uh, many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all all that, all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house did eat their meat and gladness uh, with gladness uh, and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved." That's a wonderful, wonderful chapter, wonderful reading there of the, word, the Lord of God, what he had did, uh, what he had done during that time. Now, I want you to notice that this church in Acts, they were united. I mean, they were united. The people loved one another. They, uh, they were being persecuted for, for, for their faith. But notice this in Acts 2.46 that says they were in one accord. They were united. And the Bible says in Acts 4.32 that they were of one heart and of one soul. They had their faith in common. They stood with one another and not against one another. Folks, what I see in many churches today, there's so much backbiting and, and, and uh, there's so much uh, someone on this side of the church can't stand someone on this side of the church. Hey, that's hogwash. You aren't right with God. Listen to me. You aren't right with God if you don't love everybody in this church. You can't go to the, everybody in this church and say, Hey, what can I pray with you about? Hey, I love you. Is there anything I can do for you? I'm telling you right now, if there's somebody that you have, there's aught with somebody in this church, you need to get it right now. Because what you're doing is you're being a hindrance to the Holy Spirit working in our church. And I don't want that. And neither should you. Uh, they they uh, presented a united front to a hostile world in which they lived. The church in the Acts was sold out. They, uh, we are told that they continued daily together. They were so steadfast to their worship to our Savior that they came together every day and worshiped and to honor the Lord. Now think about that, folks, if, if we were commanded to, uh, to be in God's house every day. Some of us have a hard time being here on Sundays. Stephen was stoned to death for his faith in Acts 7. And John and Peter were arrested and beaten for, their, for the preaching of God's word in Acts 4 and 5. 
The whole church operated under the threat of persecution and preaching. Folks, aren't you glad we don't have that problem today? Not yet. The whole church operated. The churches in Acts was powerful. The early church enjoyed the power of God. They saw people saved on a daily basis. They witnessed miracles, uh, miraculous conversion first of 3,000 souls, and then 5,000 were saved by God's grace and brought into the number. They saw God deal with hypocrisy in, uh, in their midst by judging guilty members in the presence of all. Aren't you glad that God doesn't necessarily do that today? They witnessed many miracles and many manifestations of the power of God. They, hate, they were hated by the world. Think about that. They were hated by the world. But they had the power of God on their ministries. They, were so much, uh, they had so much spiritual power on the church that they were, they were said to have turned the world upside down. The church in Acts carried the gospel to everyone that they met. Every person they come in contact with, they, they carried out the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter and John shared the gospel with a crippled man in Acts 3. And when he, had healed, well, he was healed and saved, a, a crowd gathered there in Acts chapter 4. And Peter and John preached the gospel and uh, there was 5,000 that were saved. They sent out missionaries to carry out the gospel to the world. They witnessed, uh, uh, they witnessed where they lived and they lived where they witnessed. They literally fulfilled Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where the Bible says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. They fulfilled that. They had a, uh, the gospel, and they were not afraid to use it. The church in Acts was feared. While they were hated by the world, they were also feared by the world. When Anna, think about this, when Ananias and Sapphira uh, were killed for lying to God, fear fell upon the people because of the power of God that was rested upon his church. The world around them knew something was different about them. Many feared the church because God's presence was so real. In our day, the church lacks what it was designed to be. The modern church lacks many of the characteristics that make up the early church such as, uh, as such a wonder to behold. The modern church, think about this, the modern church today, and I'm speaking of generalities, but the modern church today is divided. I mean, the modern church is so fractured that there, are, there can be little cooperation on issues that matter, de uh, denominations, doctrines, and problems real, real and perceived all combined to, buy, to divide churches into small little uh, intersections or isolated groups that refuse to accept those who are different from each other. The modern church is uncommitted. Most people in our generation treat the church like it's uh, expendable. Their commitment to the church is, is considered uh, on, their, on, on their scheduled. It's conditioned on their schedules, uh, their routines, their conveniences, the whims of the movement. There's no real commitment to the mission of the church today, the worship of the church, the outreach of the church, the needs of the church. The modern church is a, a afflicted with a take-it-or-leave-it attitude. And let me say this, Sunday school teachers and deacons and preachers and leaders should set the example of faithfulness for the rest of the church. The modern church is powerless. I'm seeing it today. Lost people come into our churches and there is little to no conviction. Why? Because there is little to no preaching done. There's no conviction because the word of God is left out so many times. In many cases, the people in the pews are so different uh, from the lost people, uh, uh, are not so different from the lost people in the world around them. Church members give little attention to prayer and daily devotions and, and daily worship with the Lord and personal holiness. As a result, when we gather for a meeting, they are, uh, we are considered often lifeless and, and powerless and lacking in a manifest presence of the Lord Jesus Christ in our services. Lost people come into our churches today and they see no difference between us and them. 
The church today is doing everything in its power to make itself more attractive to a lost world. And what we're doing is being more, or we're being less attractive to the Holy Spirit of God. Folks, we should not worry about what other people think about our church. As far as coming in and, and, and trying to look more like the world, we don't need to do that. We need to be more like Christ. We've lowered our standards, watered down our sermons, adopted a more modern style of music, and do all we can to make the church attractive to the lost. It shouldn't be that way. When the world steps into the church, they ought to feel as though they have entered into another world. Now, I'm not saying that we're to be mean and arrogant and hateful and high-minded. That's not what I'm saying here. I'm saying we're not to adopt the things of the world into our church. You think about this, and you've heard me say it, 30 years ago... What, what we wouldn't even consider it even entering in our minds about the church is now everyday prevalent in our churches. Oh, we've kept our distance from the world like Brother Moon preached at one time and I thought it was so good. He said 20 years ago the church was here and, and the world was way over here but now 20 years later he says now we're here and the church is still over here. He says we've kept our distance from the world but we've also been close. We've also drawn closer to the world. We've kept our distance but we've become more like the world 20 years ago. Folks, we need to be different. We don't need to adapt to the things of this world. Please don't misunderstand me today. The way we, uh, you know, here, here it is. When the world steps in, they ought to feel as though they've entered into another world. They, the way we talk, I mean the way we dress, the way we worship, the way we preach, should all leave them with an impression that we're different. Please don't misunderstand me that the way we dress when we go to church does not add or diminish the power of God. The kind of music we choose will not add or diminish the power of God. Our church, our choice of, of any music style should be based on our desire to worship and magnify the Lord Jesus Christ. Not, not from a desire to attract the world. Get a hold of that. So many churches today, they're doing everything to attract the world. See, the way we preach is demonstrated and determined by a lot of factors. No two preachers deliver a message the same way. We must never be guilty of changing the gospel to make it more appealing to the world. The gospel, if I preach another gospel, let me be a curse, the Bible says. We're going to impact the world for the glory of God. We won't do it through our music or through the uh, subtle changes that we make to attract the world. If we're going to impact our generation, we will only do so through the power of God and His Spirit resting on our church. His hand must be in our singing and our preaching and our services. We need divine power in our church today, folks. If we are going to make a difference Listen, we can sing psalms and spiritual songs and hymns and none of it matters unless the breath of God is on our service. So let's not pat ourselves too vigorously on, on our backs just because we say we stick to the old paths, which I'm for sticking to the old ways. But let's not congratulate ourselves for being old-fashioned. And not have the power of God on our lives. Without God's power, we are dead and worthless as the most liberal, the most contemporary church in America. We need to understand that we hold in our hands the precious, inspired word of God. We have been entrusted with the gospel message, the very message that every lost soul in this world needs to hear. Instead of talking, uh, 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 taking the message to the world and engaging them with the gospel, we tell no one. Then we wonder why people aren't being saved. 
Let me say this. The homosexual movement today in our world is loud and vocal. You have to agree with that. But you realize this? They only comprise of only 2% of our population. That's about 6 million people. And they make up, uh, that make up this uh, nation, yet they act as they are the majority. They push their radical agendas and an agenda that will change and shape the dynamic of the family and the home in the upcoming generations. You can see it today, folks. I mean, you just go to our high schools and you know it's an accepted thing in people today. The vocal minority is winning the effect to force the rest of us to acknowledge their lifestyle choice. They want every heterosexual in the world to affirm their choice of lifestyle as acceptable and right. I said lifestyle choice for a reason because that's what it is. No one is born gay, a sodomite, but all are born sinners. Some are merely just born bent in, a, 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 in that direction, if you will. While the homosexual, lesbian, and transgender community stages their parades and hold their rallies and, and demand our, our, uh, our, our allegiance to them, if you will, our approval, the redeemed church of God sits back and does nothing. We have ceased to be a church of Matthew 16, 18, where the Bible says this, And I say also unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But we should be. The church is being increasingly marginalized in our society. No one cares what we think about social issues. But let Hollywood get up and stand up and say their, tell their agendas. No one wants God's perspective on things today. We deserve that, that kind of treatment because we've forgotten how to take a stand. We've drunk the Kool-Aid of political correctness in the same Kool-Aid that has poisoned the minds of the world. And we are afraid to take a stand for the truths that are against sin because we might hurt someone's feelings. Who cares about people's feelings, folks? I mean, I love people, and I don't want to see people hurt, but hey, the truth hurts sometimes. And when you preach the Word of God, and you tell the Word of God to people that don't want to hear it, you know what? It's going to hurt them. But faithful are the wounds, the Bible says. Faithful are the wounds. See, I'm very interested in our church being the right kind of church. I'm interested in having the kind of church that is as close as possible as we can to that acts, that early church over 2,000 years ago. To understand, to best understand what kind of church uh, we need to be, I want to look at the book of Acts. And like I said, it was a long introduction, but a short message this morning. Of what kind of church we ought to be. And I, I titled the message, My Kind of Church, or God's Kind of Church. You see, we can either have my kind of church, a church that is pleasing to self, or we can have a church that is God's kind of church that's pleasing to the Lord. Folks, which do you want? If you want your kind of church, just a church that pleases the world and is, is ready to, then you need to find a different pastor. Because I want God's kind of church. I don't care what everybody else thinks. I don't care how how we feel about different situations. What does God say about the situation? That's what truly matters. Let's get into the message this morning. And I, like I said, just a few, just a few more minutes. But on this, this message here, number one, we need a, if we're going to have God's kind of church, we need to preach the right kind of messages. The right kind of messages. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 22 through 37, I'm going to read it again, but it says what, what this is speaking about. Uh, the right kind of message preaches about the Savior. Preaches Him exalted. It preaches, it's a message that affirms that Jesus is God in the flesh. Folks, we need to realize this, that doctrinally, Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit 
are one triune God. We need to understand that. We need to understand that when Jesus was born, he was born of a virgin by the name of Mary. Uh, it was a miraculous conception. We need to understand that is the preaching of God's word. It, she wasn't a fair maiden. She wasn't a good lady. She was a virgin by the name of Mary. Now, I'm not putting our, uh, we need to understand this, I'm not putting our glory and our praise on Mary because God chose her. She was a vessel of honor that God chose to, to manifest himself to her. And it was a miraculous birth. He was not born of, uh, uh, of man, but he was born of God, the Holy Spirit. We need to understand these things. We need to have the right messages. The church God founded preaches a message that exalts Jesus Christ and pro proclaims his death, his burial, and his resurrection. The Bible says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Not only do we, what it says about the Savior, but also what it says about sin. You know, God doesn't water down sin. He says, you generation of vipers. He calls it homosexuality. He doesn't call it a sickness, but he calls it sin. You know what we're doing today? We're watering down the things. Uh, uh, we, we call it uh, someone an alcoholic. They're not an alcoholic. They're a drunkard. That's what the Word of God calls them. What we want to do is we want to alcoholic. You know what that refers to as a sickness? But it's a drunkard that refers to a sin. Everything needs to be referred. We are sinners, folks. What God says about sin. And, and listen, um, you see, it warns the sinner to turn from his sins. It's a plain message that confronts sinners from where, where they're living at. It preaches hell hot and heaven sweet. But then what it says about salvation. Now, folks, listen. There isn't many ways to salvation. There's only one way, and He is the way, the truth, and the life. There's not many spokes on a wheel. There's only one way to get to heaven, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ that He shed when He died on the cross of Calvary, and He said, it is finished, and He laid down His life for our sins, and He bore our sin upon the cross, and He went to, uh, he, and when God the Father turned His back on God the Son, he uh, took all that sin upon himself. And then he was buried, and the third day he arose from the grave. We need to understand that. It does not preach salvation through religion or ritual. It holds Jesus up as the final and only solution to the problem of sin. It preaches a, uh, a transcendent message that speaks to all society, all classes, all races, and all sinners. We're all sinners. That is in need of a Savior. There's no, uh, there's no person that's special, that gets special attention. No, we're all sinners, and we all need a Savior. But then, what it says about His sovereignty. See, He is God, and He is God alone. The church understands and proclaims that God is sovereign. He calls and He redeems His people. The message of the church openly, unashamedly preaches that salvation is of the Lord. But then we need to have the right members. Number two, the right members. See, our members need to be saved. Now, I know a lot of people come into our church, some, some may filter in and say, because if you've joined our church, you know this. The first thing I ask you, tell me about when you got saved. Tell me about when you got saved. And then I say, well, okay, after you got saved, tell me about when you got baptized. Baptism has nothing to do with your salvation. It's just an outward expression of an inward change. And so I, I ask him that. We need to have a saved membership. Why? Because you know what Satan tries to do? He tries to sow in tares among the wheat. And before you know it, tares are going to overcome the wheat. If you know anything about farming. The tendency in the modern church is to fill it up with tares at whatever the cost. There, is, there are countless problems that arise out of this philosophy. Some will slip in through membership. It can't be helped. Satan will do all he can to plant tares among the wheat. He knows that few tares will devastate the rest of the church. 
A little leaven leaveneth the whole lump, the Bible says. See, we should do everything in our power to ensure that we have a redeemed membership. Then its members are separated. Folks, the church walked in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. They broke off from their old ties of the world. They came to Jesus Christ by faith and were transformed by the grace of God. No redeemed child of God should have a problem with honoring biblical standards and separation of holiness. God wants his people to be holy. He says, be holy for I am holy. God has called us to be holy. God wants his people to be holy. But then its members should be steadfast. We should be faithful. You know, these folks, they showed up when it was time for worship. Uh, they, did, they each did their individual part for the common good and for the glory of God. And God expects that for, from us as well. Then its members should be servants. Folks, I, you've heard me say this. We don't come to church to be served, but we come to church to serve. This church was marked by uh, selflessness. These members cared about the needs of others and did everything in their power to meet the needs of their fellow believers. This church displayed its love and not merely, not just in words, but in actions and deeds. The Bible says this, But whoso hath this world's goods, and sees his brother have need, and shut up the bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. Look not every man on his own goods, but every man also on the things of others. Then the last thing, we need to have the right methods. See, they worship God as a family. This church met together for prayer, for instruction in the Word of God, and for worship. Their common goal was to grow in faith and praise and worship the Lord who redeemed them from their sins. Paul said this, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death. To want to know God in an intimate way and to understand Him to the greatest degree possible is an act on the knowledge of bowing to Him humbly. We ought to do that as a family, folks. We come together as a family. But then also as like a federation, come together. The church had, had as, as their common goal, the common, for common good, they worked on the benefit of, of as a group. God, was, God has called us to, hasn't called us to sit back and do nothing, but he's called us to sit back and do all that we can for his glory. But then they worshiped God and they walked together as friends. Folks, we're a family. We're a group of friends together. It's this church enjoyed fellowship and breaking of bread and singleness of heart. A church is not a social club. But few things create a bond like good Christian fellowship. Few things contribute to the unity of a church like membership coming together to serve the Lord together as a group of friends See, we're all on the same team. The Bible says this, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. And then they witness together as followers. This church is not ashamed of the message but they all worked to spread the gospel to a lost and dying world. We ought to have the right master. Serve God or mammon, but you can't serve both. See, this church was made up of the right kind of people, carrying out the right kind of ministry. Thus, they enjoyed the blessings of God for their efforts. He added to their, their number daily. He manifested his power through wonders and signs, the Bible says. See, the Lord is personal, but my God shall supply your needs. This church didn't worship an abstract, unknowable God, but they worshiped the God that they loved and they knew. I want you to know, 
Let me ask you, how well do, do we add up? How well do we fit into this pattern? Are we the kind of church God can use and bless for his glory? A better question since the church is not the building but the people is how well are we doing as individuals to fit this pattern? Are we the kind of individuals that God can bless and use to make his church the way he designed it to be? And I challenge you to look inside yourself right now Number one, ask yourself, are you saved? Do you know for sure that if you were to die today that you're going to heaven? If not, come to Jesus right now. And then the second question is this. If you're saved, are you surrendered to the Lord? If not, come and surrender to Him. For He is worthy of our praise, our uh, all glory and honor. I challenge you to pray for our church to work together as a family to ensure that this church lines up perfectly for what God wants for us. It's either my kind of church or God's kind of church. I choose God's kind of church. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. God's kind of church. It's a church that preached the right kind of messages. Not afraid of preaching the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Him crucified. The blood of Jesus Christ. I still believe in the blood. This, I still believe in the blood of Christ. I still believe that we ought to preach against sin. Whether it's sins of omission or commission. Folks, we need to get our hearts right. There's sin in your life this morning. I, I challenge you to find a place at the altar. Get, get along with the Lord and say, Lord, there's some things in my life. You know it. I may try to hide it from my spouse, my pastor, my friends, my family, but God, you know. God, I need to get right with you. Folks, we're ha- we have a powerless church. We have a, because of, we're not willing to say, Lord, I surrender all. We'll get into that in the next message of being fully surrendered. Folks, won't you, won't you just turn to him this morning? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm going to have a word of prayer. And then at the end of the, mess, at the, end of the prayer, I'm going to invite you to come as the piano begins to play. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I pray that you take this simple lesson, message, and apply it to our hearts. Lord, may we be a church that is your kind of church. Not a a seeker-friendly church, but a savior-friendly church. Lord, that we desire what you would have in our lives. Lord, if there's one here that doesn't know you, may today be the day of salvation. Lord, for those that are discouraged or disheartened or away from you, Lord, I pray that you draw them in this morning. Lord, for your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Would you stand to your feet? God has spoke to you this morning. I'm going to encourage you to find a place at the altar. All to Him I owe. All to Him I freely give. I surrender all. seated. Let me give you just a few announcements, things I want to, uh, can, for you to continue to, to remember in your prayers. Uh, don't forget our vision for God this year is our theme. I'm going to probably keep that on there for a few weeks, but our vision for God and uh, uh, seeing the Lord high and lifted up for he is worthy of our praise and our adoration. Uh, I want to remind you, want to remind you that uh, pray for our missionary week, Brother Frank Gillespie, our deacon of the week, Brother Danny Lovejoy, our family of the week, Brother Brian and Miss Sandy Penley, and then our trustee of the week, Brother Tim Watson. Remember these folks in your prayers, if you would, please. And then want to remind you, February the 1st is our prayer breakfast. I invite you to come to that. We'll have a good time of breakfast and then a time of prayer. Uh, and that's on February 1st, 9 o'clock. And then February the 11th at 7 o'clock, we're going to meet at Putnam Inn. 
and we're going to have a sweetheart's dinner there. Uh, and that's just, uh, I'll talk, talk to him about seeing if we can just have that, that room there and we can just have a good time, uh, a fellowship there if you're able to come. And uh, that's February 11th. Okay, I think that's all the announcements I have. If the men would come forward, we'll take up this morning's tithes and offerings, if you would, please. All right, I'm going to ask Brother Luke when he comes if he would ask a blessing on offering. Thank you for the message Pastor gave to us and Lord, I pray you bless the gift of the giver of this offering. for being here this morning. We'll all stand. We'll close some word of prayer. Come back five minutes. We'll take a short break and then we'll go right back into our next service. And uh, I do appreciate you being here this morning. And uh, I'm going to ask Brother Peyton, sir, would you close this in a word of prayer? Father, thank you for this day you've given us, Lord. Thank you for the message that we've heard today. Lord, I just pray that you'd have your uh, hand over Pastor for the second message as well. Give him the words to say. I pray, Lord, that if there's one here that doesn't know that they're saved, that today would be the day of salvation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.